0: Man, who's excited to be in church? I'm, I'm just, shout out to the five people that clapped. Who's excited to be in church today? I'm just excited. <clears throat> I've missed church for the past couple weeks. And um, it's funny, because uh, right, by the way, um, your boy, oh, first of all, hold up, wait. Let me just um, <clears throat> be formal. You guys doing good? You guys doing great? You guys doing all right? So i going to say, first of all, welcome home to everyone. Um, listen, we are a church. We encourage you. If you've been coming to New Birth, you know kind of the culture we set. We encourage you, like, when you come to church, when you're in church, church should look like your neighborhood. Can I get an amen this morning? How many of us believe that? Church should look like my neighborhood. The people that God has placed around me, that's what my church should look like. We're that type of church where we encourage you to bring your friends. We encourage you to bring people who don't know Jesus so amongst our Sunday gatherings, not only do we have Christians, um, but we also have people who don't believe, people who are actually exploring spirituality and exploring Jesus. And, and maybe you're here, and this whole thing's a test. I remember meeting leaders now that serve, that they said, hey, you know, I remember when I was looking for a church, I, I came into this one, and I and it was just, for some people, it was just the signs when they walked in. It was like, okay, this is the place. God, God, you call me here. This, this is the place. Just the signs. <laughs> <laughs> when you walk in, how many of you guys love those signs? I, I look forward to those signs. I'm like, it's my sign. I look great. I always look great. That's a, that's awesome. I need that in my house. Um, you know, a lot of people choose different reasons to stay. And, and listen, really, what everyone's choosing is Jesus, right? You're choosing Jesus. And and the, the idea is that Sundays, as much as it is to receive and and, and to be fed a word and to worship amongst. Well, you know, one another, brothers and sisters, it's also a moment for people who don't know Christ to come home, to come home, uh, and to come to the, to the feet of the cross. Um, so, if you are a guest in here, we've already recognized you, we've, al- we've already said hello, we, we have our system, it's to welcome guests at the, at the entrance, but we want to do it in here, we want to welcome all of our guests, come on, it, it, can we just make noise for all the first time guests in the house today, come on, that they decided to come. Come on, you can do better than that, it's probably their first time here. Welcome home. We love you. Thanks for coming. My name is John. I'm the young adults pastor here. Any young adults in the house? Hello. I love you. I'm excited. We um, we 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 oversee uh, uh, Tuesday nights, uh, Wednesday nights, youth and young adults. It's amazing. I love what God's doing in our in our youth ministry. Um, by the way, I have an announcement. I'm officially a married man. Hold up. I got a ring on. Baby, can you stand up and take a bow? Come on. This is my beautiful wife, Diana. All in the road by herself. Somebody sit with her. Make her feel good. There you go. Just sit with someone. There you go. It's like, man, she all by herself. Um, man, so we got, I got married uh, uh, October 19th, 2019. And the next day, we flew across the world to our honeymoon. So I just landed last night at 1236 in the morning. After, like, 23 hours of flying, seven-hour layover in two airports, um, I was in a Beijing airport and a chi- two China airports, and literally landed in around, I got home, like, a one-something last night, um, so I'm going to really stick to my notes, because if I don't, we're going to preach till like, 9 p.m., because I don't know what time it is right now. My body's, like, on, like, a different time, so I'm going to, listen, if, if, if you don't do church, listen, if we do, I don't usually, like, glue my notes, I'm I, I really am concerned about time, because, uh, it's, it's funny because we have 11 days across the world. When we're up, everyone's sleeping. And when we're sleeping, everyone's up. And I kind of got adjusted. So we're back. And now I'm like an owl, right? I'm like, hello, how you doing? Um, but we're here. So, so I'm excited to preach. Um, I, I was on my way, actually, uh, to our honeymoon. And uh, my, my dad texted me, uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Gabby. How many of you guys love your lead pastor, senior pastor, Pastor Gabby? OG, Og. This Sunday, he is preaching in a church in the Bronx, New York. Uh, the church is called TC. It's a church that he came out of. Uh, some leaders here, actually, uh, Lulu came from, from that ministry. Uh, one of our worshipers, she was saying the last song. Um, it's a church. My dad, he, he didn't get hired there, he didn't go there to be a pastor, he came in as a regular dude with a family and, and ended up serving and serving, got under an amazing pastor, so today's Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and he gets to, after at least 20 years of, 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 of kind of distancing and, and, and being sent out from that church, he gets to come back and preach to his old senior pastor, um, so that's what he's doing out there. How many you guys love your pastor? He's just so humble, he's so willing. He hit me up. He was like, yo, I miss home so much. And I was like, dude, I know what you're saying. I know how you feel. Um, I miss it so much. Um, I missed you guys two weeks, man. Long time. Um, Had church on the airplane. Hello. Had church in the hotel. Hello. Had church. Um, Kanye dropped an album. Had church listen to Kanye. Hello. Uh, By the way, it's a clean album. It's a a gospel album. I just want to throw that in there. Um, (laughs) Hello. So, man, had a lot of fun. Uh, but can I tell you, so he texted me, he's like, hey, you're going over there, just letting you know, like, once you land, like, once you get back, you got to preach that Sunday. And I was like, let's go. Because <laughs> I just got so much word built up in me, right? Uh, we've, been, we've been, like, studying the Bible out there. I mean, I don't know if that's normal. We, we, like, study the Bible out there and, and going over different stuff. And, and this, today's message comes from a moment of intimacy. Somebody say intimacy. Today's message came from a moment. I just really distanced myself. Uh, I kind of got in like this bubble. Um, You guys know what I'm saying. It's like you're not isolated, but you're completely alone in the presence of God. I want to remind some people here who have been saved a long time. Listen, you've been saved. You have grace. You have mercy. Listen, you need to stay spiritually in poverty. Spiritually poor. Doesn't mean you're not studying enough. It You need to study more. It mean you're not praying enough it's a god i need more of your presence it's 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 a hunger thing y'all with me because those who've been in church a long time sometimes it's just the you know it's just like the routine of it all and and, and in, in that moment i was just like what are you you know you're gonna preach and i was like man it's from a moment of in- intimacy to god you're great you're doing great things and it's this moment i felt uh, i was worshiping uh in the plane it was hilarious i'm worshiping in the plane um like like you because know, you don't be weird, uh, so we, we were like, we was in Thailand, and like everyone like really doesn't know English, like it's broken English, um, but it's awesome, the most hospital people ever, and what's funny is when when you worship, and people don't know like you're Christian, and the, the, like no one looks like you, like there was no Puerto Ricans, no Dominicans, no Colombians out there, Um, so I was really on a mission trip, hello, and I was I'd be in, in like the monorail like praying for people in wheelchairs. Like I they wouldn't know what I'm saying when I'm praying that they just get up. And if they got up, i just give glory to Jesus. I don't know. I wouldn't know how to do it. Um and, and I, I just began I just began worshiping in my seat and, and, and this idea came up. It's the title of today's message. And it's this that Jesus calls you friend. Once I said that, once I felt that in my heart, in my spirit. I just began to weep. I I began, and this isn't an emotional message. I'm just telling you my, 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 my moment. I was in this place that I was just like, God, you're so good, you're so great, you're God the Father, you're God the Son and the Holy Spirit, but you also call me friend. It's insane. It's like, it's so simple because you know that, right? There's a book, uh, Rich Wilkerson, Drive. I don't know if you read it, it's Friend of Sinners. That's that's his title of his book. I mean, it's a phrase we, we always know, Jesus is my friend. Uh, Ch- Kids Church, they sing songs like, Jesus is my superhero. Like, it's just awesome because we know Jesus is all love, he's all grace, he's He's grace and truth, and he is love, and he's also my friend. Like, you ever had a best friend, like, you really couldn't stop talking to? You know what I'm saying? Like, the best friend. How many of you guys have, because there's, like, two types of people, people who, like, have best friends and people who just don't. Anybody have best friends in your life? Like, you just, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody's, like, nudging their husband. You be raise your hand, boy. <laughs> You're my best friend. Man, Jesus calls you friend. It's so simple. But I just began to just get wrecked over and over. And that's the place that this message came from. I want to read with you. Uh, Again, if you're not saved, you don't believe in Jesus, welcome home. We love you. You don't have to believe with us to belong. You belong. And we're going to be here to walk with you through this journey uh, called, called, called Christianity, walking with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So I'm just gonna start preaching. Like I'm just gonna start. All right. So if you got notes, take notes. If you got a Bible, open your Bible. We're gonna start with Colossians chapter three. It's in the New Testament. Oh, I love this first verse. I love opening with verses like this. Uh, Colossians chapter three verse thirteen. It says, "Bear with each other." Somebody say, "Bear with me." That "bear with me" part is not in the Bible. I inserted that. That's why I put the parentheses. That's just, just something to speak to you. Look at your neighbor. Say, "Bear with me." Come on. Look at someone else. Say, "Listen, you gotta bear with me." All right, I know, I know I sweat when I worship, and I might be a little musty right now, but bear with me. All oh, my deodorant might have just been sweat off in this last song we turned up. Listen, bear with me. Come on, somebody, bear with me. I got all this faith built inside of me. I don't know who you are, I know where you come from, but I'm praying for you right now, and if you're annoyed by all my prayers, I just want to let you know, bear with me. That's the type of church we are, bear with each other. I love what Paul's doing here. He's setting the culture of family. He's setting the culture of people could be different, but that doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means they're different. People could be coming from different backgrounds and different places and We can all be at different points in Jesus. Some of us newly saved. Some of us saved for 20 years. Some of us have different gifts. Some of us are prophets, teachers, pastors, shepherds. Some of us have serving gifts. We all have different personalities. And sometimes in our society, it highlights the fact that because we're different, we need to divide. But in the church of Christ, what makes us different is what unites us. Because what really unites us is the blood of Jesus. So come on, this is the word of God today. Listen, just bear with me. Just bear with me. Bear with me, let's stay together. Even though we're different doesn't mean we're wrong, just means we're different. And I love, we're gonna keep going, bear with each other and forgive one another, right? So that's what bearing with you is. If, if we have a disagreement, I'm not just gonna just disagree with you, no, I'm gonna bear with you and I'm actually, actually, I'm actually gonna step forward and forgive you. I'm actually gonna step forward and do something. That's what bearing with each other is. To bear with one another isn't to simply be in the same room and block each other off, no, that's actually isolation. That's what the enemy wants to do. And sometimes that even happens in the church. Families can go years in the church without connecting with another family. Listen, bear with one another. Get to know one another. Get to some people of faith. That's why we do small groups. Anybody loves going to small group hope groups. Come on, hope groups. It's the engine of our church because Sundays is two hours and a half of Holy Ghost fire, of friends coming to Jesus, of word being poured out, and every other day we get to gather with one another and bear with one another. And what 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 do you also do? We forgive one another. If if anyone has any grievance against someone, forgive. I love how he says this, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. I don't have the power to forgive. Yes, you do because God had the power to forgive you. You take that power, you receive it, you see it in God's mercy and then now you can forgive other people. Now, listen, I can't love nobody. You don't know where I come from. You don't know what I deal with. You don't know how my daddy was. You don't know what culture I stepped out of. Listen, if you receive the love of God, you have something now given to you. Now it can flow right through you. It's the love that you've received that allows you to be. Y'all here this morning? Come on. Colossians is breaking it down. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Why? Because Christ has already forgiven you. Christ has always forgiven you my next idea I can because he is. I can what you fill in the blank with whatever thing you're saying you can't do. I can forgive someone. I can overcome this struggle. I can move on from this Hurtful relationship. I can stand up. I can resist the enemy, the Bible says, and he will flee. I can proclaim healing to broken people. Why? Because of me? No. Not because of me. My next idea, but in spite of me, I can because he is. Not because of anything I am. Not because of anything I studied, but because of who he is. God uses me. Not because of me, but in spite of me. I could be walking to a hospital room and it's not my powers. I don't get powers. I get the Holy Spirit spirit who has healing power and now he uses me not because I prayed enough not because I went to church enough but because of his power and what he can do you can be saved one minute and walk outside and bring healing to somebody did you know that because it's not because of you it's in spite of you it's scandalous that God uses people who've actually gone through some things and even if you're going through things God can still use you It's not because of you, but it is in spite of you. Here's my next idea. It's it's a call to outrage. It's a call to to just the scandalous lifestyle in Jesus, to have this faith that I can because he is. I can make a difference, my next idea. I can make a difference because Jesus became the bridge for me to become. I can't make a difference in this situation. I'm, I'm just, yes, you can, because Jesus, he is the bridge for everyone to become something they've never become before. Oh, I can't do it, I can't, I can't. Yes, you can. Listen, sometimes it's easy to say that I can't. But what's harder is to say that Jesus died for me so that I can. It's easy to say, oh, I can't, and look at the limitations, look at the fear, and say, I can't move, I can't. But when you look at Jesus, oh, wait, yes, I can, because he is something that I've never seen before. Jesus calls me friend. We need to isolate this isolate it, I want to isolate it for just I want to just put it to the side, there's a story of a pastor, I heard it's it's the funniest story, if you've had kids, if you have children, uh, you probably see this happen in their lives, uh, they just do, it's, it's really funny uh, amongst children, uh, there's this pastor, he said the story, his, his daughters, um, they wanted to make money, and you know, when you're a kid, it's not that many ways to make money, right, um, how many guys ever put up a lemonade stand, anybody, come on, anybody be confessing, like four people. You're the people we buy lemonade from on, on the stands. <laughs> so uh, he's like, yeah, my daughters, they wanted to make a lot of money. Um, and it cost like 40 bucks to buy all the supplies. <laughs> and they only made $25. And to them it was this huge win. But I'm like, all right, like we're losing money. Um, so he says his daughters always, uh, it reminds me of my brother, just always find a way to just multiply, right? Some people just have that gift, right? Like, come on, we see five, we see 10. Hello. It's a gift. God's giving you that gift. Um, and, and what's funny is he says this story of one time they, they actually they moved from Lemonade because there was barely any profit, and they went to garage sales. How many guys are garage sale people? Like, there's only two types of people in the world, people who do garage sales and people who don't, right? It's just there's no in-between. Saturdays for people who do garage sales is like another Sunday, right? It's like, here we go. We out and about. I just need $15. It's like, how much is this, 75 cents? I give you a nickel. I'd be so mad if I was like a garage... It's seventy five. dollars so you mean a nickel. I owned it. It goes up in value because I touched it and I had fun with it. True to me, a nickel. It's like, how much is this iron? Five bucks. Like, I'll give you $1.20. Like, get out of my house. Like, I'll be so mad. If I, was, if I ever did a garage I'll never do a garage sale. He says his daughters, they take all their toys. Like, what are they selling? They take all their toys and they lay out. It's, they have, like, um, so, like, Really ambitious parents they get like big buckets for them to hold all their toys right and then and then parents who try to teach their sons and daughters' lessons you know you one toy you know you got one toy enjoy that one toy I didn't have a toy i had I had the rats in my house and and that was what we played with, so you enjoy that one toy all right it's like but so <laughs> okay, you see what the the humor is okay whatever there's the joke um so the the, the uh they get a box, they put all their toys in it, and then uh, they lay it out, and they're like, okay, we're going to make some money. Uh, one of their neighbors, th- their sons, a young boy, he comes across, uh, you know, with a quarter. Um, he's looking at all the toys, you know, picking it up. He's like, I'll give you a penny. He's like, nope, nope, it's a quarter. Uh, he gives the He finds this ball, like, in the middle of, like, all the ruckus. He finds a ball, um, and he's like, oh, I'll get that ball. He's squeeze, you know, pretty good bounce. He gives him a quarter. And the kid takes the ball, and he just has the best Saturday of his life. He's like, boom, catch, boom, catch. He's, like, playing soccer with himself. Um, So all the girls, uh, the pastor's daughters, you know, obviously they're running the whole garage sale. Um, They're looking at the kid they just sold the ball to. And they're looking at all the toys, and they're just like. It's like like when you see, uh, if you're salty, uh, when you see an ex in public, you just, <laughs> so he's looking at the ball they used to have so much fun with it like oh, I don't remember going that high. Looks a little squishier than before, it's not that squishy. The pastor says the daughter who sold the ball goes up to the boy. He leaves the garage and goes, Hey sir, um I know I just sold that ball to you, but can I just see it for a second? Cause like cost me a quarter, sure. Yeah, you can play with it. You've had it like your whole nine years of existence here. She gets the ball and she goes, this is what Pastor say. She goes, <laughs> she starts playing with the ball. She starts kicking it. After like five hours, she goes, okay, here you go. And, and today's message is, is, is an isolation moment. Sometimes we know all God has done for us, but today I just want to take this to the side that Jesus calls you friend. Because you got to see it outside of all the things you're looking at for a second to just see the real value in it. You got to see it outside of everything going in your life, everything you're dealing with, everything you're walking through. And you got to see that Jesus calls you friend. And that is something you know. It's something so, I mean, we know. But when you isolate it, it it begins to gain power again. When you move it out of your vision, when you move it out, and you look at it and you go, and you glamour at it, and you say, man, I know he was my friend. That's like when you see a a baby Christian, someone who just got saved. Oh, I love baby Christians. Those are my favorite people to hang out with. Those are my favorite people. I love baby, what? I love it so much. Because they're like, wait, Jesus forgave yesterday, today, and tomorrow's sins? Boop, this is crazy. Boop. Wait a minute, no matter what I've done, he still has an amazing future, plan, and purpose. This is crazy. And the couch, boop. Oh, you're telling me the whole, so Jesus, yeah, he lived and he died and he split our history books. But his spirit is alive today. And once I made that prayer, he's inside of me. What? Boop, I love me and baby. Because they see it just how it's supposed to be seen. That Jesus, the son of the living God, calls me friend. That's wild. He calls you friend. My volunteers ready? My volunteers ready? See, here's the thing. Stop right there. This is my homeboy right here. He comes to youth every single week. How many guys know him? Anybody love him? He's the homie. This is what Jesus does. Come up. Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. He sees you. Stop right there. And, and he calls you friend. That's, that's, that's the type of interaction Jesus has. See, humans, we have a different type of interaction because we have this worldview. We have sometimes the way the world categorizes and puts people, oh, you make this much, okay, you're in that group. And you make this much, okay, you're in that group. And oh, you live there, oh, you're in that group. And you begin to put people in groups and put people in attention. How much should you care for them? How much should you pray for them? You know what Jesus, when he looks at people, he looks at them, he says, oh, you know who you are? You're my son. You're my friend. I love you so much. I don't care who you are. You might be young, but there's no junior Holy Spirit. It's the same Spirit that raised me up that is inside of you. I call you friend. Now go. Go change the world. Go change the world, that's what Jesus does, that's what he does, that's how we all, because he calls you friend, he calls you friend and he empowers you to be something you've never done before. Here's my next volunteer, oh, let's go Gabby, hello, how many of y'all love Gabby, she's awesome. Yeah, go head up. Yeah, she's a female, she's a female, she's a Latina female. But Jesus still loves her. Jesus still died for her. She might have a past. She definitely has a future. And when God looks at her, he says, I don't see you the way people see you. I see you as my daughter. And more importantly, I see you as my friend. Go. Be in peace. Have fun. Turn up. I love you. I'm sending my spirit with you to be the difference in the world around you. Here's my next volunteer. Oh, okay. Okay. That's my boy Ash. How many of you guys love Ash Molly? He's the homie. Stop right there. You might be a person of color. But that doesn't change the way Jesus sees you. He doesn't see the color. He sees the color of his blood. I'm not saying Jesus doesn't literally see color. He sees color. He made people to be their skin tone. It's not that Jesus is colorblind. He knows the color. He just doesn't change the way he treats people because of their color. He looks at people and he says, I know people talk bad. I know, I know, but listen, come here. You're my friend. I love you so much. How you doing? Welcome home. You can be something you've never been before. You can love people that hurt you. You can pray for those that curse you. You can be the person. Now, your daddy was the person I've called you to be. That's how Jesus, he, he calls you friend. He's next volunteer. Shout out to Abby. Oh my God, she's one of our young adult leaders. She's amazing. I love you, Abby. Your smile just lights up a room. Um, you're amazing. Stop right there. I don't categorize her. I don't label her. She's a woman of God. If God can use me to speak the word, God can use her to speak the word. It's not about anything about you. It's all about Jesus. So Jesus looks at someone who comes to Sundays with combat boots on, and those are so fresh, and I got to buy me some. But they look at her, and they say, listen, she is a daughter of my God and I love you, welcome home. Come on in, come on home. Now you go be something you have never been before. You go ahead and change the people around you. You go around and preach to those who don't want. Jesus calls you friend, this is scandalous. It's something we've never seen before. We don't know an authority like this. But we're seeing a documentary. They gave a group of people the title of officers and gave a group of people the title of prisoners and the type of punishment they imposed on those men probably know what I'm talking about it's, it's scandalous we we only know authority to oppress God says to, the, to you, you guys with me if you've been in church a little while God says no you're not going to have a human king I'm your king you're going to stand out people of Israel you're, you're not going to have a human king I'm your king God says yeah, I'm your king you don't need a human king I got you I got you but God's people look at all the kingdoms around them and say no God we really want a man to lead us and here comes Saul if you know you y'all, y'all with me it's, we only know authority to oppress. We only know authority to create systems that keep low people low. That's how we know authority. Once sometimes, even us, we can't be trusted with authority sometimes. If our hearts not in the right place, if we're not in the right place, and like, God, why don't you call me to lead? Because you gotta really learn how to follow. And and we sometimes see authority as a a, a tool to oppress and to bring my agenda and to to do what I want to do in the world. And then we meet Jesus who's a king and he comes to serve people. And it it messes with you, right? It messes with you like Jesus. If you're the king, why did you come in a chariot already like 27 years old? Because that's when my abs were the best. That's not me. I'm speaking for someone here. I'm 23. When I was, when I was, he came. He came as a baby in a manger. I would have said, if I was the king, I would have showed up like 25, 26, just like full muscle, like no worries. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would have showed up ready. No, Jesus shows up as a baby. In a palace? Nope. In a manger. There's lamb next to him. And the son of the living God is born amongst animals. Christmas is a great reminder. Yo, we need to humble ourselves. Your king came from a manger. Here's my next idea. It's the highest form of authority shown to us in the lowest way, functioning in the lowest way. That Jesus, the king, the savior came to serve, to seek and save, his 12 disciples, he didn't give them like a three-year process. He's walking down the street. He's like, you want to follow me? And they are probably just finished smoking a cigarette. They probably just finished cursing. They probably just finished stealing. One of his, one of his disciples, a tax collector. One of the people just frowned upon in that time, in that era. And you know what they said? You know, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And I'll go through. No, no, no. He said, yes, Jesus, I drop dropped everything. And they followed him. That's your Savior, Jesus, with all the authority in the world, functioning in the lowest way. Pastor, I can't serve people. You need to know who your Jesus is because he takes all that authority, all that Sunday power, all that Holy Spirit power to turn the other cheek. He takes all that Holy Spirit power, all that to to, to break through the fear and evangelize to someone who doesn't know Jesus. It's like this highest form of authority functioning in the lowest way. And that's what brings people to the feet of of Jesus. It's in view of God's mercy. Y'all with me? Sometimes our response is I can't serve. I can't pour my gifts. I can't overcome. I can't be better, I can't, my past is too big, my life is jacked up. Whenever I meet people like that, here's my answer, stop disqualifying yourself from grace. It's too easy to stay a victim. It's too easy, you know that. Sometimes it's a trap mindset of being a victim. It's too easy to repay evil with evil. Listen, if if an eye was for an eye, the whole world would go blind. That's why Sermon on the Mount starts with people walking away because Jesus is like, yo, if they hit you, turn the other cheek. They're like, this guy's crazy. I can't remind somebody of this. Listen, this is just the Holy Spirit. You're not the center of the story. Jesus is. I'm so hurt. Get up. Jesus is over you. Jesus is in you. Stop disqualifying yourself. Get up. It's too easy to stay down. If you ever fell down before, if you've fallen before, I mean you've fallen hard before. I mean, if you've fallen hard before, like either by your mistakes or the mistakes of the people around, like it cripples you, like it leaves you on your knees. I want to tell you, it's too easy to stay down. That's too easy. You know what takes courage. You know what takes Holy Spirit power. You know what takes intimacy with God is standing right back up in the place that you fell. Not in another place, not in another house, not in another church. It's standing right back up because a righteous man falls and a righteous man gets right back up. You are not the center of the story, Jesus is. He's the center. More of this victim mindset. Jesus became a victim. He took all the sin. God Himself, Jesus looks up, He's like, He looks at the Father. Why have you forsaken me? He became a victim so that you can be a victor. The only victim here is Jesus. And we get to live in grace and mercy. I came to remind you again. Here's my sermon title. Just let it grill in you. Jesus calls you friends. He calls you friend. He's your leader. He's your authority. He's your God. And with all that power, he uses it in the lowest way to step into an unsaved world, to step into humanity and time and say, Hey, I came to be your friends. I love you. And I don't look at your flaws, I look at your heart. And when I get a hold of your heart, I could change everything up. But I need your heart first. I call you friend. I came to break every system of authority you've ever seen before. I call you friend. The Young adults, we just came out of a sermon series two weeks ago or a month ago. I don't know where we're at. Called Jesus Web. How many of you guys enjoy that series, Jesus Web, young adults? Jesus Web. It was funny because here's one of our ideas. Jesus Web. Those, those, those powerful verses, right? One of the shortest verses in the, in the Bible is Jesus Web. One of the most powerful as well. Because Jesus, knowing all things, knowing Lazarus would pass, I love it because they come up to Jesus to let him know that Lazarus is sick. And they just say, yo, Lazarus is sick. They say, hey, Jesus, your friend, the one you love, Lazarus, he's sick. And we just came out of that series and one of the ideas we pulled away was this, is that Jesus sees your pain like he never saw it coming. I don't know about you, if if someone ever ruined a surprise for you, anybody ever ruined a surprise for you? That's me. I remember I got uh, Diana, who was, was about to celebrate an anniversary, and I was like, I got to get her some, 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 some concert tickets, and, and like months before the event, I was like, I couldn't take it. I was just bursting of the news. I, like, I already paid for it. Hello, so it hit the bank already. Hello, and I'm like, hey, baby, we we, we going to go to this concert. She's like, yay, yeah, you suck. Why'd you tell me now? that You ever had someone ruin a surprise for you? Insensitive people, right? Just why would you do that? Why? <laughs> I don't know if you have ever, ever had that happen. Here's the thing when you know about a surprise before it happens, it's not it's supposed to change the way you react. Like, if before I walk into these double doors, you tell me there's a hundred people there waiting to say happy birthday, celebrate me, I'm gonna walk in like I knew it. I'm gonna open the door, I'm gonna be like, I know y'all hiding. How y'all doing? And they're like, I read that. I'm like, woo, right? But if I didn't know what was going down and I walked in the door and I was like, oh my God, it hits different, right? It's just like, and Jesus already knowing that Lazarus would die. Jesus already, because he's God, right? He's, He's outside of time. His mind is... Even in Gethsemane, he's like, I'm about to go suffer. I'm about to go through pain. I'm, I know what's going to happen. Jesus already know what's happening. Jesus fully God. He's not only fully God, but he's fully man. And amongst all these people, let's read in the book of John, chapter 11. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was moved. He was moved. You knowing the future wouldn't move you. It, it would hit different, but but Jesus is moved, and his spirit, and he's troubled. He says, where have you laid him? Don't you love when God asks questions? Where have you laid him? You know where they laid him. It's like when God says in Genesis, Adam, where are you? God knows where Adam's at, but sometimes your answer is his answer for your life. Where are you? God, I'm actually still in this rotten place that you left me, God. Can you call me to something new? Sometimes my answer is God's word for my life. Where have you laid him? Come see, Lord. They replied Jesus wept when he saw the tomb. And I love this. I love John, who's writing this gospel according to John. He says, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. You see how he loved him you got to understand the context of John. If you've been in church a while, you know the two main themes if you study the Bible. Come on. How many? Of you, we're all theologians in here, right? We, we, all, we all study the Bible in here. Can I get an amen? Well, we all, we all, yeah. Welcome home. We're going to study the Bible. The context of John, it's the gospel according to John. See, listen, you have the first four gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John is 90% unique from the first three gospels. Meaning 10% of what he's writing is mentioned in the other three. But 90% is all original stories. You have the Lazarus story here. You have the famous verse, John three sixteen For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his son. Here's the thing. John is writing to a specific group. You need to catch this, because some of us read the Bible and we think God is not good. Because it's like, whoa, whoa, listen, I want to give you something. God did not form the Bible. Listen, when you read the Bible right now in 2019, understand this, in this point in time, The Bible was not written to you, it was written for you. The book of John is written to Greeks and Romans looking over their shoulder. Not written to Americans. You guys with me? It wasn't written to you, it was written for you. That's why we're theologians, because we look into the Bible and we say, who wrote this? When did they write it? Who were they writing to? And what are they trying to say? So that in 2019, the word that is not to me can be for me, because I know what they're trying to do. When you look at the book of John, and he's writing to to Greeks and to Romans, looking over their shoulder in the early church. You guys with me? And he's writing to them. Here's the two main themes of the book of John. You can read John in in, in a day. It's it's not too long. Here's the two main themes. The first theme is that God is Jesus and that Jesus is God. Jesus is not just man. He's also fully God. And understanding the audience, right? Who's he writing to? Greeks. Greeks. A lot of us here studied Greek mythology. You know all the gods they believe in. You know all the things they believe in. And here comes a man named Jesus saying, I am the son of the living God. You can understand that John writing to Greeks would say, no, my main theme to this group is that Jesus isn't one of the gods. Jesus isn't uh, just one other of the things you worship. No, he is the living God. So that's him hitting the audience, the Greek audience. Who have all these beliefs of God, all these views. The second theme of the book of John is is to reveal the grace and love of Jesus. And that, I believe, is focused to the Roman group. Why? Because to hear that your leader, your authority loves you and has grace over you is something they've never understood before. Something they can't even fathom. Some of us, when we're given authority, we, we use it to manipulate. We use it to bring our agenda. We use it to oppose people. And isn't it funny that, that 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 Jesus was raised up by those who believed in Yahweh and those who didn't, Jesus was raised up on a cross. Meaning we know there was a Messiah coming, we just didn't know it was you. We know there was a Messiah supposed to come and save us, but it can't be you, you're too humble. But when you isolate the power, you see how amazing it is that Jesus comes down. And I love the book of John, It's, it's, it's so it, it, it's for us really not to us, it's for us, that Jesus is divine, he is Lord, but he's also love, and he's also grace, and he uses all that authority to be friends with you, to call you home, to call you into a life you've never lived. You see, in the creation story, you got to see how intimate it is, how Jesus is, is, is actually in genesis jesus doesn't show up in matthew jesus is in every book of the bible how many of you guys believe that truth he's a fulfillment of hundreds of prophecies but in the beginning i want to read with you look how intimate god is when he's creating the world and creating man he's so intimate he's so personal i just i can't wait for the next time we do holy communion i, I just can't wait but, but look at look look how intimate it is god breathes on adam in genesis chapter 2 verses 5 to 7 Uh, This is what I believe. Listen, uh, the Bible doesn't, uh, you know, the Bible does not battle science. I think science proves the Bible and that the Bible confirms science. Y'all with me? I'm not talking about all science. I'm not talking about, you know, the weird stuff, you know, evolution. I'm talking about, you guys with me? I'm talking about the fact that people believe that to believe the Bible is to believe that science isn't real. And that is not true. That is not true. The Bible is scientifically legit. It is prophetically legit. Y'all with me? And it says, this this is real. This is true. At the time, God made earth and heaven, right, before any grasses or shrubs had sprouted from the ground. God hadn't yet sent rain on earth. Nor was there anyone around to work the ground. The whole earth was watered by underground springs. You tell that to science, and it makes sense. Tell that to scientists. They make, the Bible does not disqualify science it proves it. God formed man out of dirt from the ground, right? So he looks at dust. Listen. Uh, If you ever put a white shirt on and you got sweaty and you've been active and you've been moving around, you ever see your skin on the shirt? Listen, you are from dust, and from dust you will return. But your spirit, your soul, will live on forever. It's evidence that when they when they look at the skin, scientists who just go to cells and look into cells and look at the cells and look at the cells, they see ingredients that actually lead from dirt. This is true. It says, "From the ground, from the ground, God formed man." Out of dirt, that's why he uses not because of me. God doesn't use me because of me, but in spite of me, I'm just dirt with breath in it, right? He takes the dirt from the ground and he blew into his nostrils the breath of life. The man came alive, a living soul. Theologians say the word breathe is as is, is intimate as a kiss. The word breathe is just as intimate. It's not that God was far away and he said, he just made man, he rolled him and then off you go. No, he took man, he formed him with his hands and amongst his presence, he blew almost as personal as a kiss right into his nostrils. He just... And from there, man came. alive. do you see how intimate your God is? He wants relationship with you. He wants to bring you alive. He wants to activate all those things inside of you that will make you really human. The world leads you to be an abomination. Christianity leads you to really be human, to understand your creator. And he blows into creation almost as intimate as a kiss. Listen, we see this again. We see this again in the book of Acts, right? Jesus is in the Last Supper, right, when you just rewind a a little bit. He's in the Last Supper and uh, uh, shout out to the group that just came back from Israel, with my parents. Um, it, it's so awesome. The upper room where the spirit fell is believed to be the same place that Jesus was with the disciples the night that he was betrayed. It's the same place. So Jesus, along with having a communion with his disciples about to leave the Last Supper, Famous Supper. They have paintings on this thing. It's the same moment that he says, by the way, I will breathe on you again. I will leave. I have to go, but the Spirit will be upon you again. And in the same room, a couple chapters later in the book of Acts, let's put it up. Acts chapter 2, it says when the Feast of Pentecost, so it was a feast, right? The day of Pentecost is actually the Feast of Pentecost. It was a moment they gathered, right? It's the moment they got together. Christ's power and spirit is to always lead you to unity and the anti-God spirit is always to lead you to division. That's why it's in the moment of feasting that God does amazing things. That's why in the last supper he gathers them and encourages them. That's why in this moment there's a a feast of Pentecost and the spirit comes down. When you die, when when we transition to the next life, there is a what in heaven? A feast! God is all about bringing people together and having some fun and breaking some bread and being the real family that he's called us to be. So on this feast day of Pentecost, they were all together. And without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one can tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, the Spirit spread through their ranks and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the spirit prompted them to do. In Genesis, God breathes in man. And in Acts, Jesus breathes his spirit. You see how intimate your God is. Jesus says, hey, I know you like me being here. Disciples, I know you want me to raise up a kingdom. Some of you guys are Romans and all you know is to use authority to oppress. But listen, I'm not here to raise up a kingdom in this world. That's an unseen kingdom. I came not represent it. And what I need from you is not to, to, to fight for me. Don't fight for me. I'm going to die for you. And I'm not just going to die for you and raise up, but I'm also going to send you my spirit. So just like in Genesis, all of my creation, when they say yes to Jesus, they experience a second birth. You are born again in the Holy Spirit, and he breathes, look how intimate, he breathes on each and every person from then till now who say yes, he breathes his spirit into them. It's Genesis happening every every... Someone say, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Yeah, we wait in. The world's getting terrible. Suffering is just getting worse. No, it's not. You know, if, if, if you have babies, if you've given birth to a kid and you're still alive, you're like 1% out of like 99 in the scale of history that die giving birth. Usually women in the past, they, they didn't live after giving birth. They died. We live in the worst times. No, God's not slow to come back. God is patient. Because if Jesus came in 1995, I would not be up here right now. God's not slow, He's patient. Because if, if, for some of y'all, if Jesus came in 2014, you would have never won a new birth. You would have never been saved. Your family never been here. God's not slow, He's patient. He's not slow. Why is evil still happening in the world? If God is good, why is there evil? God's allowing evil, one, because there's free will. And once God removes free will, then people say, Oh, he's controlling everything. He's. You're, you're, uh. like, no, no, no. I'm going to allow you to do whatever you want to do. I'm going to give you free will, but I'm also going to redeem everything the enemy meant for evil, and I'm going to flip it on its head. Look what Jesus does. He takes the worst thing that could have happened to him and uses it to save the world. And that's just Jesus. He calls you friend, he calls you friend, and he breathes in you. I'm landing the plane. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore I urge you. Romans is one of the most beautiful letters written to the church. It's the book, the book of Romans written to, uh, written to the Romans. It speaks louder than words. It's so poetic. Theologians they, they study this book. It's just it's, it stands out. Ephesians, Colossians, Galatians. It's just this one just stands out. I love this. Look look at this look at this verse. It changes everything. Therefore I urge you. Someone say urge. Someone say urge. That's a fun word to say. Rhymes with splurge. Some of y'all got the urge to splurge. (laughs) I come against the spirit of uh, obsessive online shopping. You guys with me? Anyways, therefore, I urge. When you urge somebody, you're egging them on, aren't you? I urge you. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to what? In view of God's mercy. I hope you leave today putting on these glasses of mercy. Put the glasses on of Mercy. Put the glasses on the mercy. Pastor, I can't forgive them. Put the glasses on the mercy. Watch how things will change. It will change the way you see it. Father, I can't give. I can't. Put the glasses of mercy on. and It will change so much around you. I love how Paul hits it on the nose in view of God's mercy. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Worship, what does that mean? My next idea, a living sacrifice is a response to God's mercy. When you put the glasses on of mercy, that is when you become a living sacrifice, living and true and proper worship. Not because when you see God, you see heaven. Oh, I'm only Christian just to go to heaven. I'm only Christian, you're going to be bored in heaven because all we're going to do is worship Jesus sun in heaven, the light of heaven is the radiance of God. Oh, I'm only saved to get stuff. Listen, a, a true response of your life being sacrificed is not to gain. It's in view of what God's done already. It's His mercy. That's how we truly worship God. And just like that girl who wanted her ball back because it looked funnier in someone else's hand. God is saying, listen, bring this idea back to the forefront of your head, the forefront of your mind, and let it change the things you do. Let it re- rearrange everything you do this week. He That is not just God who has authority and power, but he also calls you friend. He calls you friend. This message is not insensitive to what you're going through. I'm just here to encourage you in the middle of everything you're going through. God calls you friend. He calls you friend. He calls you friend. Let's do something real intimate for a moment. Just, If you feel comfortable, just close your eyes. You don't have to bow your heads. But for just a moment, just just close your eyes and and visualize this. He calls me friend. Say it out loud. He he calls me friend. Come on, would you say it with your mouth and believe it? Remind yourself this morning, he calls me friend. I can get back up again. I can be who he's called me to be because he's calling me friend. He's calling me friend he's calling me friend. When I turn my back on him, he still sees me with love and grace and he calls me home. He's my friend. When I when I turn around intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes we turn around intentionally, he still loves you. His grace is over you. You need to get up out of that victim mindset. The victim was Jesus and now you have the victory. He calls you friend. He calls you friend. He calls you friend. And in view God's mercy, how will you respond in view of God's mercy? I love the Last Supper. Do this as often as you can. Remember me. Remember what I've done. Remember how I died for you, how my blood was shed for you, how I took 39 whips for you, how I literally suffered for you so that you can live for me.